you're entering the land of bourbon and bad decisions. This is the Tyler Morgan Show on Podbean.com. Welcome to the land of bourbon and bad decisions. This is the Tyler Morgan Show live on Podbean.com, the Podbean app, RemoteSteering.com slash podcast, wherever you listen to your podcasts at. Before I get into this week's world of insanity and mind-numbingly stupid bullcrap, let me talk to you about coffee. Yes, that's right. Not just any coffee, but American Pride Roasters. Um... Again, as I mentioned in the episode that came out earlier this week with my, that had my interview with Dr. Jerry K. Williams, neurologist, author, screenwriter, entrepreneur, absolute all around amazing guy. Um, they talked about APR on that episode. They are still in the process of rebuilding. I will still talk about them because their product is worth talking about um dave and faith and mr clarence are in the process of rebuilding uh currently they have a space you know lined out they have to work on getting all their roasting stuff set up but just go to aprcoffee.com americanprideroasters.com whichever one and you know check in there look for updates uh you follow APR Coffee on Twitter, uh, they'll be giving updates on it as well. Just you know, that way when they are ready to go, you know, you'll be the first to see that, hey, they're roasting coffee again, sending it out, and then they are on the really on the path from recovering from losing the, everything to the tornado. So again, American Pride Roasters, historically great coffee. All right, so um, getting into the world of crazy, dumb, and stupid, I would just like to say I did not release a sex tape. I have never been in a sex tape, and no one is blackmailing me about a sex tape. Or at least that is what a, a Florida gubernatorial candidate, Nikki Freed, is saying. Unsolicited. Just kind of throwing it out there for whatever reason. She is saying she doesn't have a sex tape. Huh. So this is how it was reported. Uh, Florida's agriculture commissioner, who is also running for governor, says she does not have a sex tape. That's the message Nikki Freed delivered on Twitter Friday, prompting speculation and questions about why Ms. Freed who is trailing Representative Charlie Crist in the Democratic primary for governor, felt it necessary to issue a public denial. Uh, Ms. Free's statement was featured prominently on social media and her campaign website on Friday. It's absurd that I have to dignify this, but there is no sex tape. Sorry to disappoint. Also, sorry, basically every successful woman has to deal with these 
types of rumors. But here's the thing. Um, there has been no public accusations that she has been in a sex tape. It's like scrolling through Twitter and all kinds of dumb happening. And then all of a sudden, no one, absolutely no one. Then Nikki, I don't have a sex tape. No, you look like an idiot. Yeah. What's the point? Now, if there had been a press release saying that you were being blackmailed over a sex tape, if there was a public threat by some anonymous person on the interwebs to release a sex tape that you had starred in, allegedly, uh, then coming out and saying, hey, there is no sex tape. This is a bunch of bunk that someone's trying to extort money out of me for. Okay, that would make sense. <laughs> oh my gosh, I don't know what's going on here. But when you just come out unprompted and say, ah, this is going on, and no, it's not true. I'm sorry, that doesn't really bode well. Um. I know you really, really hate Ron DeSantis and um, you're, you know, couching a lot of uh, a lot of insults and referring to him as Hitler. And you're like, I'm Jewish. I can call him Hitler if I want. I get that. Unfortunately, you're not going to catch up to him in the polls. Um, Regardless of who wins the primary, whether it be you or Charlie Crist, you're trailing by double digits. Now, don't get me wrong. I have watched Republicans many, many times snatch victory from the or snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. It's been known to happen on occasion. But I don't think that's going to happen in Florida this time. Um, this, this just seems all like a ruse to garner sympathy, support. Oh, my God. Someone's accusing her of this. Oh, my. How dare people just presume successful women like her got to where she is by using sex. Um. Maybe uh, because there are some people who have, like our own vice president, back when um, when she was just a lowly prosecutor in the city of San Francisco, and she decided that she was going to use an affair with Mayor Willie Brown to become the city's lead prosecutor. <laughs> and she admits to that. So, I mean, the whole idea that all women are virtuous and they would never do anything like that to get ahead. Number one, it's bunk because humans are capable of some really incredible things. And I don't mean that in a good way. 
there are women who are 1000% virtuous, would never do such a horrible thing and have become and have been victimized by people who want them to do things that they don't want to do. That is a fact. There are women who are victims of sexual harassment, sexual assault. And I'm not talking, oh my God, he asked me out one time. I'm talking like legitimate, hey, uh, you want that promotion? Uh, you better give me some, uh, some moral pleasures here. Yeah, that is wrong. And there have been women who have been subjected to that. There have been women who have been groped, manhandled, and all sorts of horrible things. What? But there are women who have used their womanly ways and their wiles and their bodies to get ahead. It's a matter of, it is a matter of fact. But, and I'm not saying that Nikki Freed in Florida has done this. But it just seems a little weird that unprompted she would come out with, I don't have a sex tape. Oh, good, because I wasn't asking to see one. I've never been in one. Okay, cool. That's great. Neither have I. We have something in common. But why are you bringing this up unprompted? Again, like I said, there have been no public threats of releasing a sex tape with Nikki Freed. There's been no statement from her stating that she's being blackmailed to prevent it from being released. It's just so weird that it would just be volunteered like that. It's absolutely insane. But such is the way of politics now. Um, just because you say something that is completely unverifiable doesn't mean it should be doubted. I mean, look, let's go back to the, uh, would be the 2012 elections. Yeah. The 2012 election cycle, Mitt Romney versus Barack Obama. We all know how that turned out. Um, when Harry Reid stood up in the well of the Senate and lied his ass off that, well, I have, I have it from, you know, from the highest authority that Mitt Romney has not paid his taxes in 10 years. Um, the one place where free speech is truly free speech is the well of the Senate, because if a senator is standing there and they give a demonstrably false, slanderous, libelous accusation that cannot be backed up, and the only reason they gave it is pure malice and political and to score political points. You cannot sue them for saying it. It's the only, it's the only place in the country where there is still free speech. Uh, I didn't know I was going to get to this on the, on the Twitter stuff, but I'm going to get into it now. But People on the left have been losing their mind over Elon Musk making his bid to buy Twitter. 
with him wanting to buy Twitter. Uh, the left has lost their minds because, oh my God, he's going to control speech. He's going to allow everything on Twitter now. Oh my God. Well, see, I don't think Elon Musk would allow everything on Twitter. Uh, he was at a TED event in Vancouver where he said, you know, everything that is legal, he will allow. Obviously, he does not. He doesn't want people making threats, conducting illegal activity on Twitter if he should buy it. And I'm sure that there will be, you know, some hard, fast rules that will get you thrown off the platform. Such as, I don't know, if you make blatantly racist comments. That will get you, that will get you a trip to the old Twitmos. You know, stuff along those lines that we can all sit and go, okay, that's common sense. You can't be doxing people on Twitter. That will get you sent to Twitmo or possibly even pew, completely kicked off. And I'm fine with that. If you are doing stuff that's threatening other users, if you are putting out, you know, people's private information, you are being a racist asshat, Stuff like that, we can all agree, okay, these are against the rules. These are clear. But the whole idea that, oh, well, we don't agree with what you're saying because it hits at us from a political angle we don't like. Well, we have to shut that down. Oh, Washington Post is spreading a story right before the election that could be bad for Joe Biden. So we're just going to, we're going to make it to where you can't share it. We're going to make it to where you can't even copy the link and DM it to people because that's spreading methamphormation that we can't verify. It's insane. Um, but again, Elon, he made, he made the offer, which I, I don't have the letter that was included in the SEC filing, but I'm a boil it down. The gist of the letter included with the SEC filing is as follows. This is not a direct quote. This is me paraphrasing. Hi, Elon here. Yeah, I joined this, but I bought a bunch of stock thinking it was going to, uh, I could help really move, move the goalposts into a, a more favorable position for everybody. And well, it turns out your management sucks. That being said, I think the only way to fix it is to make it a private company where we can, where a single person can have a lot of control over fixing things. That being said, I'm going to offer 38% more than what your stock is worth. $43 billion when it's all said and done. This is a one-time offer. I suggest you take it because it would be awful if I sold off all my shares, tanked your stock price, and then bought it for really cheap. 
football is in your court. Well, Twitter did not like that response. <laughs> uh, lady dies in the live chat. Don't forget the 420 weed offer. Yes, because. You know. Fifty four dollars and twenty cents per share. That is. He, he loves to get his weed references in there because. Nope, nope, not going to do it. Not going to do it. That would be wrong. And I don't want to be wrong. I would hate to have this episode taken down. But it has something to do with what he technically is as an American who immigrated from Africa and weed. You can write your own jokes because I can't control what goes on in your what goes on in your little brains. Like I said, I wasn't going to come out and say it because that would be bad. So anyways, now that Elon has made the offer. Well, Twitter's board didn't like it. So they decided that they're going to adopt the old poison pill to keep Elon Musk from executing his takeover. This is out from the blaze. The board of directors at Twitter Inc. announced on Friday their adoption of a limited duration shareholder rights plan, commonly known as a poison pill, to prevent tech billionaire Elon Musk from taking over the company. In a press release, the social media platform said it had adopted the plan, quote, following an unsolicited and unbinding proposal to acquire Twitter, end quote. The day prior, Musk, a frequent critic of the platform censorship practices, who happens to have a net worth of roughly $264 billion, offered to buy Twitter for $43 billion. Now, I did see some commentary on the social meds that... Oh, well, uh, who's, who's going who's to loan him that kind of money? It's like, um... Dude, read the letter. It is a cash offer. If it's a cash offer, that means he has the funds already liquid. They are ready to go. But I digress. Back to the story. Only recently, Musk had purchased a 9.2% purchased 9.2% of the company's stock in an apparent effort to force his way onto the board and push changes the way the on the way the company is run. Musk was welcomed onto the board, however, with a caveat. He could own no more than 14.9% of the company. Tesla founder decided to turn down the invite and put together an offer to buy the whole thing outright, suggesting he doesn't, quote, have confidence in Twitter's current management. <laughs> uh, the bid was met with backlash from board members and caused liberals to suffer a complete meltdown. And, oh, it was brilliant. They're still going on. And so Twitter has now responded by trying to fend off the takeover under the poison pill plan. Quote, if any person or group acquires beneficial ownership of at least 15% of Twitter's outstanding common stock without the board's approval, other shareholders will be allowed to purchase additional shares at a discount. I.E. 
they're going to go the way of the Fed and they're just going to create shares out of thin air and sell them, sell them for super cheap just to screw their board, screw their people over. Uh, the outlet noted, or C, uh, that was reporting from CNBC. Uh, the outlet noted that poison pill strategy is a common maneuver in the event of a potential hostile takeover. It essentially aims to dilute the stake of the person or group seeking to take over a company, which in this case would be Musk. The plan, set to expire on April 14th of next year, quote, will reduce the likelihood that any entity, person, or group gains control of Twitter through open market accumulation without paying all shareholders an appropriate control premium or without providing boards sufficient time to make informed judgments and to take actions that are the best interests of shareholders, Twitter noted in its press release. Wait, wait, okay. So shareholders are being offered a 38% premium a 38% premium for their shares so the the financially responsible thing that you're doing for your shareholders is going to be Essentially, inflation. If Elon Musk attempts to go through with the purchase, you're going to just double the amount of shares, cut the price in half so people can buy a crap ton and hopefully get someone to buy more shares than Elon. So that way they can make a decision that's going to, they can be the ones who go, oh, look, I've got all these shares. Now Elon can't buy it now or it's going to cost him way more money in order to buy it. Um, yeah, I think you're shooting yourself in the foot. It's the latest move in a rapidly unfolding controversy that has captured the attention of onlookers across the country. Bloomberg reported this week that major players outside of Musk and Twitter have also become involved. The platform reportedly brought J.P. Morgan alongside Goldman Sachs to help respond to Musk's bid. Meanwhile, Musk has been reportedly working with Morgan Stanley. Musk has maintained that his efforts to purchase Twitter are not about money. During a wide-ranging TED Talk in Vancouver on Thursday, he described Twitter as, quote, a kind of de facto town square, end quote, and said that he believes it's such believes that as such, the platform is, quote, very important for there to be an inclusive arena for free speech, end quote. And it really is. The same goes for Facebook. Lots of information is shared between people on those platforms. And regardless of if it is a private entity or it is, you know, public, I mean, it is a publicly, they're both publicly owned companies. They're publicly traded. There are 
millions of people who have a single share of Twitter, a single share of Facebook, because it's, you know, they have a, they have a retirement plan and they really don't choose who they buy their stock in. They have, they have a broker who's like, okay, well, I'm just going to manage this and get a little bit of this, a little bit of this, a little bit of this. Or it's part of a mutual fund where they buy into it and, okay, the fund itself, they're the ones who go through and they make the purchases and they go, okay, well, for this fund, we're going to get a little, little Twitter, we're going to get a little Facebook, like, ooh, we're going to get a little Google in here. And so a lot of people who have stock don't even realize they have it. So again, it may be a private company. It is not the government. But because it's publicly traded, you really can't say that it is a private company. Not to mention, you look at government protections that are foisted upon social media platforms by the way of Section 230. And now suddenly they have they do have government protections to moderate content specifically as Section 230 was created for. Moderate content that is harmful, i.e., you know, advertising advertising sexual services, you know, prostitutes, you know, sex slavery rings, uh, moderate, you know, racist and vile content, and. You know, we, these are things that if we actually read through the user agreements, we would see this. Hey, if you do X, Y, and Z, we'll kick you off. Okay, I understand the community guidelines. The problem is, is when they come in and go, oh, well, you violated the community guidelines. Well, how did I, how did I violate it? Well, you're sharing, you're sharing fake news. I'm like, um, I have verification that it's not fake. Oh, well, we have fact checkers and the fact checkers say that it's not true. So therefore it's fake news. Well, you do realize the uh, fact checkers are fact checking a story that goes against one of their major benefactors. So they kind of have a vested interest in uh, Defending their, you know, fancy, fancy benefactor. But all the, there's so many things where people make the argument that, oh, well, it's a private company. Well, okay, you can, it's a private company all you want, but what happens when a private company eventually has a dominant control over your life? The, the whole ESG thing. Imagine. You know, if your social credit score isn't good enough because, oh, yeah, you drive a diesel pickup and, you know, on your social media, you're not defending the LGBTQQIA2 plus ad infinitum uh, jihad. And, well, you've, you've, 
had some pretty strong criticisms of the government, so we can't give you a loan. Um, see, that's where you start. You're making discrimination because you know, you're a private company, but you're controlling somebody's life, and you're denying them the right to life, liberty, pursuit of happiness because of, oh, well, they're, they're not the government. They, they, can't, they, they can't be held accountable like the government can't. Well, okay, the thing is, though, when you say the rights of the people cannot be infringed, shall not be infringed, Why does that only apply to the government? Why doesn't it apply to fellow citizens? The, a, a very common saying is your right, my right to free speech ends just before your nose. Meaning that when my right to free speech suddenly infringes upon your right to free speech, then I am no longer, I no longer have protected speech. If I tell a mob of people to get that guy, I am inciting violence. And, and I am not protect, and that speech is not protected. There's a point where we have to look at some of these companies that are the de facto town squares, whether it be Twitter, whether it be Facebook, YouTube, Rumble, any of these other plethora of sites, uh, Parler, MeWe, whatever. When they start limiting your free speech, then they are infringing on your right and therefore. Oh, well, I'm protected. I, I'm protected by First Amendment. Well, okay, if you're infringing on my right to free speech, I'm not doing anything that's violating the community guidelines that I agreed to, then you are violating the First Amendment. It doesn't matter if you are a private entity. It doesn't matter if you are a, a government entity. The people's Rights are protected, period. End of story. Drizzly is the leading home alcohol delivery service available. Imagine being able to sit at home and pull up your smartphone and browse your favorite wine, beer, spirits, and then have it delivered to your home in as little as one hour. Go to drizzly.com or check out the link in the show notes and start shopping today. Not available in all areas. Please drink responsibly. Drizzly.com. So I'm going to talk to you about Built Bar. We've all had protein bars before. Most of them taste like cardboard and they're gross, nasty. It leave a funky aftertaste in your mouth. Built Bar, their goal for starting off was flavor first. Every bar is covered in either pure dark chocolate or white chocolate for those special ones that come out. You have nine regular flavors 
And then they have the special flavors they bring out every so often. They are absolutely amazing. My, personally, my favorite, mint brownie. Oh, my God. So go to Built.com. Check it out. Go to their selection of Built Bars. Built Go Energy Drink. Uh, Built Broth. All their, all their fine selections of amazing products. Built.com. Use the promo code RELENTLESS to save 10%. Built.com. All right, getting back into it. Uh, let me tell you about Keto Chow real quick. It's an absolutely amazing weight loss uh, system. Basically, it shakes. Use them as a meal replacer. Four ounces of your preferred healthy fat. I like butter. Melted butter. It's amazing. Um, 14 ounces of water. A scoop or a packet of the desired shake mix. Mix it up, throw it in the fridge, let it set overnight. Boom, you have it for breakfast the next morning. So many great flavors. Oh, chocolate, cookies and cream, chocolate mint. Uh, they're coming up with uh, peanut butter and grape jelly flavors soon. Oh, my God. I, I'm looking forward to these so much. See if they're better than my one of my favorite flavor hacks of peanut butter and banana. Mm, so good. But anyways... Go to ketochow.xyz, use the promo code RELENTLESS, and save 10% on your first order. Ketochow.xyz, ketochow, it's keto, made easy. All right, so one of the stories that I saw today that absolutely boggled my mind um, has more to do with, oh, people being dumb. And you got to determine, you know, who is the bigger man in a situation like this? Well, in, in this case, it is Herschel Walker. See, Herschel Walker has been catching a lot of flack because, well, when he was younger, he wasn't exactly the nice, sweet, loving guy that he is now. He um, suffered from mental health issues, uh, dissociative identity disorder. He had multiple personalities. And now he's under attack because, oh, he was, he was abusive. She admits that. Yeah, I was not a nice guy all the time. Oh, he has mental health problems. Yeah, he kind of admits that too because, you know, It just is what it is. He he understands that these are have been problems that he has worked really hard to overcome. Well, he has uh he's earned the ire of uh, of a progressive journalist named Ely Mistel or Ely Meistel. I don't I don't know. A Georgia Republican Senate candidate. Herschel Walker graciously invited progressive journalist Ely Mistel to meet him and break bread after Mistel viciously attacked Walker's candidacy. But the offer was snubbed. 
Walker, a legendary former University of Georgia running back and NFL star, is the current frontrunner for the GOP Senate nomination in Georgia. Former President Donald Trump heavily lobbied for Walker to enter politics and has endorsed his campaign. But state Republicans have expressed concerns that a, as a political novice, Walker will struggle against Democratic attacks on his past struggles with mental illness and exaggerated business records. Yeah, that's one of those things about those business records. Um, there, there are certain things that can be verified, so you don't want to really blow it up too much. Uh, Mistel, a justice correspondent for the nation, brutally attacked Walker's Senate campaign in a column declaring, quote, he is an animated caricature of a black person drawn by white conservatives, end quote. Walker is what they think of us. And they think we're big, ignorant, easily manipulated, Mistel, a black man claimed. They think we're shady or criminal. They think we're tools to be used. The Walker campaign exists as a political minstrel show, a splashy rendition of what white Republicans think black people look and sound like. Um, he just he stopped just short of calling him words like coon or Uncle Tom. He savaged Walker with personal attacks, writing that he, quote, displays a level of ignorance that would embarrass most sixth graders. The modern Republican Party has proven that being an ignorant know-nothing who exists as a pure grievance candidate with no policies or platform is not a deal-breaker for Republican voters, Mistel asserted, along with other insults to New York City liberal threw at GOP voters in Georgia and elsewhere. Well, here's the thing. If you're wanting to call somebody a grievance candidate, you have to point that same trip, that same finger at the Democrat Party. They are the party of grievance politics. Um, I really don't know what to say to that because you know, for years, Democrats have run on. Look at those rich people over there. Class warfare, class warfare. Oh, look at the. The racism inherent in the system, all, all this racism, racism, race warfare. They have made their platform identitarian grievance politics for the last hundred years. So really that that Mistel would come out and say that. Is ridiculous. Um, on Thursday, Walker was interviewed on Fox News by Sean Handy and asked about the article. He shook off the attack. I know. I know. I signed up. Signed up for this when I decided to run. It doesn't matter what he called me. He said, criticizing Democratic policies is wrong for Georgians. <laughs> I was bullied when I was a little kid. Words are not going to hurt me right now. 
I'm the most qualified candidate for this race right now, and I'm the most qualified candidate to represent Georgia as a United States senator. So it doesn't matter what you say. I know what I've done. I'm not going to have you bully me because you can't. They made an offer to Mistel. What I would love, love to do for you to take time to come down to Georgia, we sit down and break bread. I'm about bringing people together, not separating people. When it seems like you are, that's not Herschel Walker, he finished. Mistel responded after the interview, declining Walker's offer and accusing the candidate of running away from debates with other Republicans and with Georgia's Democratic Senator Raphael Warnock, whom Walker seeks to unseat. I'm not looking for a senator, not a goddamn buddy, Mistel wrote on Twitter. Maybe he's trying to say I'm looking for a senator, not a buddy. I do not care, nor should anyone else, if Walker is fun to have a beer with. We should care about Walker's policies. And when you look at Walker's policies, we find the MAGA gobbledygook stew injected with COVID misinformation, drizzled in grievance, Served on a bed of lies, he continued. The progressive journalist claimed that he was an easy target for Walker and asserted he'd much rather be fighting with me than fighting with other Republicans or Democrats or talking to his constituents or studying. So, sadly, obviously not very sad at all, I must decline Walker's offer and this transparent attempt to distract people from his own cowardice and unwillingness to defend his policies in public. I respect the people of Georgia more than he does and will not use this clown to raise my profile at their expense. But here's the thing, though. You are using him to raise your profile. Because until a few weeks ago, I'd never heard the name Ely Mistel. And frankly, you're one of these people who believes that black people should only vote one way. Anyone who does not agree with you because they stand up, you know, for policies held up by the right, you know, whether they're populist, you know, right-wing populism, whether they're right-wing nationalism, whether they're whatever, Raw, raw, look at the flag. You look at people with the same color skin as you who don't think like you, who don't believe what you do with the utter venomous contempt that I look at someone who would hurt a child. And the fact that you, know, you even got the state wrong. You said go to Texas in your tweet, Ely. The fact that you can't even you know, acknowledge where he's running, that says a lot. This is a man who has overcome probably just as much as you. Who has found success despite having a, a mental illness. He's a man who has found success 
where tens of thousands of Americans do not every year in professional sports. He has a unique perspective. Sure, maybe he's not debating Warnock. I mean, Raphael Warnock's record has been out there forever for people to see. And if people want to bring up, oh, well, uh, uh, Herschel Walker, uh, he, he's accused of being abusive to his wife. Um, Raphael Warnock is also accused of having been abusive to his own wife. While they're in the middle of their divorce, he's accused of running, running her over, driving over her foot with his car. Now, the charges were dropped, but that doesn't mean they were fully adjudicated. It just means the charges were dropped. It means the allegations are still there. But the fact of the matter is, Ely, all you can do is find personal attack, personal attack, personal attack. But the bigger man is the one who goes, you know what? No, you can't bully me. Come down here. If you come down here, we'll, you know, we'll have dinner. We'll talk. You know, you want to have these attacks against me? Well, let's do it face to face like men. But you won't. It's not because you are better than him that you won't. It's because you're not better than him. It's because you're the one who is scared that you know Herschel Walker might actually change your opinion on him you want to hold him up as being a caricature of black people whenever there's whenever there's a black republican oh that is just a caricature this is what they see in black people no Right now, the only person in this in this uh, relationship back and forth between you and Herschel Walker, who's being a caricature, it's you. You're the one who is lashing out at someone for thinking differently than you. You're the one who's being the caricature of, well, I'm more black than you, and you are just a horrible Uncle Tom because... Because you're siding with those whiteies. You are the one who is being a caricature. You're the one who is emphasizing Joe Biden telling Charlemagne the God, if you don't know if you're voting for me, you're not black. The only person who is losing in this whole argument is the one who's acting like a complete and total jackass. You're not even attacking him on policy. You're making attacks that are personal. You are waging a war of ad hominem on a guy running for Senate. A guy that if he really wanted to, he could stomp your ass into the ground for saying the kind of garbage that you are. And honestly, 
The only reason I think you are saying the kind of garbage you are is because you've never been in a situation where you've had to eat your words as they're shoved down your mouth, shoved down your throat by somebody's fist. You've never had your ass kicked as a child for running your mouth to somebody bigger than you, and it shows. All right. Last story of the night. Now that I've done yelling at Ely Mistle, that self-righteous son of a... Going with the Federalist, um, we talk about grooming. Grooming, grooming, grooming. What is grooming exactly? Well, the definition of grooming, or as far as you know, the context I'm using it, is preparing a person to do a thing. You could be grooming a replacement at work. Someone could be get someone could have a mentor grooming them for a management position. Those are positive things. Then you start getting into the negative connotations of grooming, such as when a cult is grooming somebody to join their ranks. They start planting ideas in their heads. They start doing things to get them to separate from family. And then once they start buying into it just a little bit, they start offering negative consequences if you go against the cult. Hey, if you start looking at the internet and studying about us, you're a bad person. They find ways to hold you in contempt of the community. You ever watch uh, any of the uh, shows about leaving Scientology that, or listen to the podcast from Leah Remini? I, there, people have been through some hellacious situations leaving the Church of Scientology. But then grooming can also be applied to. Obviously, pedophiles trying to get young children or pederasts trying to get teenagers to engage in sexual activity. But then you have to look at when teachers use their positions, you know, they, they expose children to the idea of the LGBTQ community and to LGBTQ identity and sexual identity, and all these things. Say, like, oh, you mean I don't have to be a boy? I don't have to be a girl? Sometimes I feel like a stranger in my own body. It's, and they start giving them ideas. They start playing these little seeds that then they can start building on. Well, with all the talk about it, oh, that's just a, Uh, It's just a moral panic like the satanic panic back in the 80s. Well, this is from the Federalist. New York Times writer admits schools are grooming children into LGBT identities. Is Michelle Goldberg a conservative plant, the New York Times? Although she claims to be a liberal feminist, some of her recent columns are essentially admissions that social conservatives have been right all along. In another entry in this genre, she purports to critique, quote, 
the freak out over sex and gender identity in schools, end quote. Only to tacitly admit that schools are indoctrinating children into LGBT ideology and grooming them into LGBT identities. Goldberg accuses conservatives of stoking a moral panic akin to the satanic panic of the 1980s, a frenzy of accusations of ritual child abuse that resulted in the conviction of dozens of innocent people. Yet, she then demonstrates the current fears are reality-based. Her evidence that this panic consists of highlighting some unfounded rumors about educators indulging students with a furry fetish. She then admits, quote, There's been a great evolution in how students think about gender and sexuality, with an even bigger general generational shift with trans issues. Many middle-aged liberal parents I know have different ideas about gender than the, their more radical adolescent kids, and I assume the gulf must be even larger in many conservative families. In short, the sexual orientation and gender identity revolution is real, even if a few internet rumors about it are not. Similarly, in response to a huge increase in LGBT identities among the young, Goldberg writes that it's obvious that more kids are going to come out in high school where they'll be accepted and celebrated than those than those where they'll be bullied and abused. True, it is also obvious that this does not explain the mass conversions of adolescents, especially girls, to rainbow identities. Goldberg herself relays without dispute the example of a summer camp from which Quote, a third of the girls came back saying they were non-binary or queer or gender non-conforming, end quote. The self-refutation continues to Goldberg's conclusion. She does reiterate that her ugly victim blaming regarding the infamous Loudoun County rape case. <clears throat> why, is a why is a supposed feminist shaming a teenage girl for being raped in circumstances inconvenient to the agenda of men in dresses? Yet she ends with the quote from the victim's mother had given to the Daily Wire, knowing how knowing her daughter was still drifting along with the gender revolution. Where does she get the ideas? From school, obviously, the mother said. It's not from our house. The left's contradictions. Once again, Goldberg has confirmed the social that social conservatives were right. Educators really are leading students in a sexual and gender identity revolution which is then furthered by social media and peer pressure. Nonetheless, Goldberg is probably not a closet conservative writing esoterically to get past her editors. Rather, she seems to be ensnared by the contradictions of the left's current orthodoxy on sex and gender. This sort of confusion, along with her apparently unwitting confirmations that conservatives were right, is inevitable because the LGBT movement's justifying mantra of born this way is false, as demonstrated by what is happening in schools. Uh, the Born This Way Creed posits the sexual orientation and gender identity are innate and immutable, and that an authentic and flourishing life requires accepting these inborn identities. Thus, Teaching young children about sexual orientation and gender identity is necessary to help them discover and live as their true selves. Otherwise, they will be repressed, miserable, and perhaps even suicidal. This is the logic behind the constant references to LGBT youth and trans kids, as well as President Joe Biden's support for chemically and surgically transitioning children. 
But this view has been discredited. There is no gay gene, nor is there an established biological basis for transgender identification. The case for transition rests on shoddy social science. Some researchers even lie about their results, which is why transgender advocates rely on abusive, emotional, blackmail, suicidal threats. The truth is that sexual inclinations and one's sense of gender arise from a mix of biological, environmental, and cultural factors, of which genes are only a minor part. The interactions of these elements are complex and not the same for everyone. We may have predispositions, but no one is predestined to identify as LGBT. We can see this complexity and fluidity playing out in our culture, especially among the young. It's not just that youth are much more likely to identify as LGBT, but they are deconstructing and recombining sexual and gender identities, often encouraged by their educators and under the influence of social media. And it, it just goes on. Uh, horrifying examples of our emergency of educators pushing young children into trans identities, even against the wishes of parents. Some schools even hide these changes from parents. The Libs of TikTok Twitter account exposes a steady stream of such abuses. And these are just the activists dumb enough to boast online what they are doing. In New Jersey, new state teaching standards have school districts distributing sample lesson plans instructing first and second graders in gender ideology and sexual orientation. To a lot of kids who, for the most part, don't understand any of it. They have no context of it. And the idea that, you know, okay, we're going to talk about this, but don't tell your parents. Um, I'm sorry. I've raised my kids at any time an adult is wanting to tell you something and they say, but don't tell your parents. That is something they should probably tell us about because if they're trying to keep it a secret from mom and dad, um, it can't be good. Unless it's a surprise for mom and dad, like you're buying them a new car or paying off their mortgage. Okay, you can hide that from us. But if it has anything to do with your body, whether it has anything, especially if it has anything to do with sex, period, straight up, full stop, we need to know. Now, our schools are really good where we're at about not teaching the garbage. In health classes in ninth grade, they get told, here are the parts. Here's how they work. Here is how babies are made involving these parts. But they don't push any sort of, you will be hetero, you will be gay, you will be trans. They don't push that. They stick to the science of sex and human reproductive development. That's it. And it's at an, an age-appropriate time to do it. Granted, a lot of that should be done at home by parents. Unfortunately, a lot of parents are very awkward when it comes to talking to birds and bees with their kids. I know I was. I know I still am. But it's, 
absolutely insane that parents want to push off so much onto schools just because they, it is an awkward topic. It is an uncomfortable topic. Or it's like, Jimmy, I've just got so much to do. I talk to your teachers at school about it. So, I mean, parents just have to step up, period, end of story. All right, so that's going to wrap up the show. I ended up kind of a donor there. I'm sorry. Um, again, thank you so much for listening. Uh, same four things I ask every week. Number one, please subscribe or follow whatever whatever your podcast platform calls it. Yeah, you know, well, you get the updates every week when the new episode is posted. Then number two, please rate it five stars. We'll accept four, three and below. We need to talk. Number three, please write a review. Say that. Say why you like the show. I mean, don't be brutally honest if you don't like it. You can embellish and make it sound a little bit better. I mean, I'll, you know, yeah, I would do the same for you, especially if you like need me for a, you know, as a as a reference on your resume. I mean, I will talk you up. I will be your hype man. Please, by all means, write a nice review. And finally, please share the episode with someone who you think will enjoy it. Or send it to someone who you think will hate it. But then again, that could result in ratings less than three stars and not nice reviews. Send it anyways. I'm willing to suffer the slings and arrows. Um, again, thank you so much for listening. If you care to support this show, please, everything. Yep. If this show has given you $5 of value for the hour you listen to it, please ask it to give $5. If it gives $20 of value, if it gives $50 a month, whatever it is, if this show provides a value to you and you want to support it financially, you can go to ko-fi.com. That's ko-fi.com slash Tyler Morgan Show. Buy me a cup of coffee. You can set up a one-time donation, set up a recurring donation. You can go to RelentlessDaring.com. Scroll down to the bottom of the page, and you will see the the Donate Now button for PayPal. Again, do a one-time or recurring donation. Or maybe you just want to hit me up on Venmo. That would be at RDMP84. RDMP as in Relentless Daring Media Production, 84, the year I was born. So, again. All this, all that goes into equipment, keeping the website running, web hosting for the podcast, everything that you know has to be paid for. That's what goes, you know, your guys' financial support keeps all that stuff ticking. So again, thank you so much for all the support you have given. Please be sure to check out my previous episode with uh, Dr. Williams. I know the audio is a little kind of crazy on his end. Um, Zoom was being a little kind of weird, but I mean, I thought it sounded fine listening to it. So again, check it out. Warning. He does say BS and not in a good way or not in the BS way. He says the actual words, but you know, he was kind of worked up. So I just let it slide. But anyways, check it out. Uh, it was a great interview. Get, get and talk to him. I will be talking with Dan Rogers as the nephew of country legend 
Kenny Rogers. He's also a singer-songwriter, has a great anti-abortion song that came out uh, in the last month. You know, we're going to talk about it and some other stuff. Again, looking forward to that so much, sharing that episode with you. So please, please, again, just keep listening. Keep paying attention to the show. Keep just being awesome, being absolutely awesome. And as always, stay relentless. The Tyler Morgan Show is a relentless, daring media production. The Tyler Morgan Show is supported by its listeners. To support the show, go to ko-fi.com slash Tyler Morgan Show to donate there or relentlessdaring.com and hit the donate button at the top of the page to set up your donation. All music used in the Tyler Morgan Show is used with permission from purpleplanet.com. Link in the show notes. 2 Timothy 1.7 